You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the, you the best. Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Patterson held in. Now it rolls into the slot right to Gigi to the goal. He scores. I thought we were really good with our sticks. And Harper rings one right field. That is up and gone. John Schneider made that decision to deploy that, and <clears throat> that that's what that's what occurred. I'm a small man in some ways, Bart. A small, petty man. Good morning, Vancouver. 701 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. A-Dog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Did I say it was six o'clock? Did I yep. say it was 6.01? 7 o'clock. 7.01. You're going to be doing that all day. My bad. No, I shouldn't because there's an active clock mm. in front of me that has the uh, right time and everything. Just just live in the moment. Don't do everything by routine. Just live in the moment. Halvard and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. See, each time I read my Kintech read, it's it's like a new time, and I just like explore it in a different way. New beginnings. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. You can always flip it up by putting the emphasis on Kintech. Yeah. Or footwear. Or Orthotics. Or you can just read it backwards like net.kintech at fit perfect your find. Nobody would see you doing that. Mm-hmm. And that would throw people off. Okay. Uh, this is a holiday Monday, as is tradition here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. If you're listening this early, although we did start an hour later than usual, on a holiday Monday, people are out of their routines. They're not getting ready for work. They're not going to school. They're not getting the kids ready. So shout out to Kyle the Crow. In Canmore, who points out that every long weekend is a work day when you work in a resort town. Uh, we got Gary Gerald Garrison. We got Matt not on the island. I don't know where that is. And Driller Brad. Thank you for listening. Texting in before the show even started. To Lin- the Dunbar Lumber text line at 6. Lindsay and uh, Prince George, I think, just texted in. I'm awake. I'm awake. Lindsay, if you want to go back to bed, go back to bed. Yeah, you're going to miss very little. Except <laughs> our guest list today. Joining us at 7.30, Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from The Messenger, is going to join us. We've decided with an abbreviated, truncated, I like that word, mm-hmm. truncated, yep. two-hour show. Uh, we're going to leave the entire NFL story to Mike because there was a lot that happened in the NFL. But as we said on Friday... This was a huge sports weekend. There was a lot that happened, period. So all our NFL talk is going to happen at 7.30 with Mike Tannier, our Monday morning quarterback from The Messenger. And then at 8 o'clock, it's Murph. Dan Murphy, Sportsnet rinkside reporter, is going to join us to talk about what happened over the weekend for the Canucks. Three big stories coming from Canuckland over the weekend, so we'll get into all those with Murph. That's it for guests. Two-hour show, two guests. That's it. A-Dog. Question, and I know we probably should have done this in prep. Are we giving away anything today? Do we have any tickets to give away? Or are we saving that for later in the week? 
nothing today. We're giving okay. away some Canucks tickets tomorrow. Beautiful. Ooh, are for... we giving Canucks tickets for the season opener tomorrow? We are. That is correct. Oh. One pair. Okay, that's awesome. A single salt. <laughs> Nice. All right. I guess that uh, was worth the horn. <laughs> it was worth the horn. So, yeah, Canucks get underway uh, later this week. It's a holiday Monday. We have a lot to get into. So, without further ado, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? So three big stories from the Vancouver Canucks this weekend. The first was that they finished their exhibition campaign with a 3-1 win over the Calgary Flames. The second is that they acquired yet another ex-Pittsburgh Penguin. This time, Sam Lafferty. And sorry, it's like, I was like, is it Yager? No, it's not Yager. <laughs> no? Although he's still he's playing back. hockey. Yeah. <laughs> and the third is that they lost Carson Soucy week, week to week with an injury. So let's begin on a positive note, shall we? Very rare for this show. But the Canucks did finish... Their preseason with a 3-1 victory over the Calgary Flames at Rogers Arena on Friday night. What was a very busy Friday night downtown between that and the Lions game going on Mm. at BC Place. And I had a beer league game, so that just added to the traffic. Huge night. Huge, Um, huge night. It was funny. The rink I play in um, has a bar beside it like a lot of rinks do. And you can see in and, and watch the TVs. And there were more TVs turned to the Lions game than there was... The Canucks game. Good, I'm glad. So, so we're going to respect to the yeah, preseason. So we're going to get to the Lions in just a bit because <laughs> we wanted to avoid that negativity. But it was a good win for the Canucks uh, on Friday, three-one over a Flames team that had a pretty full roster. Um, you might have heard it a little bit in the intro. Uh, Rick Tockett saying we did it with a lot of intelligence, and he liked their sticks. Good sticks. They were good with their sticks. Um, and you know, and he said the next level we got to get to is getting people going to the paint, and that is how Rick Tockett says going to the net. He is confused between basketball and hockey. He's made uh, some baseball references in terms of defense by committee. He's said uh, which is a kind of a football term with running back by committee. Bullpen Uh, by committee. Bullpen by by committee. committee, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, at any rate, um, listen, the Canucks finished uh, the preseason with a 2-3 and 1 record. That's not great, but they did win the two games they played with all their best players. Mm-hmm. The game against Edmonton at Rogers Arena and the game against Calgary at Rogers Arena, they won both those games. Now, the game against Edmonton didn't have McDavid and Drysaddle, but the game against Calgary, I think the Flames had a pretty full roster and they were probably, you know, hoping to go into, you know, they were hoping to go into that game and have a good effort and the Canucks kind of stifled them. And this is the type of hockey that I think if the Canucks are going to have a successful season, whether you like it or not, this is the type of hockey we're going to see. Is it exciting? Is it back and forth? It is not. No. It is, as Halford has said 600 times during this preseason, it's going to be low event hockey. And if you look at the shot totals besides that one against the Flames where they lost 10 nothing and had AHL guys or even some ECHL guys, it felt like, um, they have limited the opponent's opportunity. And they are playing better in their own end. Their penalty kill in the preseason has improved significantly. And it mm-hmm. couldn't get much worse, but it has improved significantly. And I feel like they're slowing the game down too. Yep. Right? They're intentionally trying to slow the game down. They're trying to keep it low scoring. Um, you know, on a betting on a betting note, 
I wonder if we should all just hammer the under until everyone else in the league catches up. Night after night after night. Night after night. Just hammer the under and see if that's a betting opportunity. Um, You did mention the other stuff. The bad news is that Carson Soucy got hurt, and now he's considered week to week. So two things on this. I'll be curious to see if the Canucks use LTIR on Soucy. And also, (laughs) I guess the most curious thing is someone's got to replace this guy. Yeah. And he was one of their big signings of the offseason. He was a guy that actually got term. And the question was whether or not he's a top four guy. Because he hadn't really been a top four guy in the NHL. But, you know, the phrase late bloomer got thrown around a lot with Carson Soucy. Maybe he can come up and be a top four guy. Well, he's not going to be a top anything guy for the next couple of weeks. And as a result, Akita Hiroshi was called up in response. Congratulations to A-Dog on that. Uh, Akita Hiroshi. Only Kuzmenko is above Akita Hiroshi in A-Dog's power ranking. So we'll see if Akita Hiroshi goes from cut and thinking he was probably going down to Abbotsford not too long ago to into the opening night roster against Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and the Stanley Cup-seeking Edmonton Oilers because at practice over the weekend, here were the defensive pairs. It was Hughes and Hronick together, which the coaching staff finally put together for the Calgary game. They were like, all right, Hughes has got to play with someone. I don't know if it's Cole McWard. We can't get anyone off waivers. You know, Juleson hasn't looked very good. Hughes and Hronick together, and then Ian Cole and Tyler Myers – and then Hirose was with Juleson. Yeah. So if you're looking at these three pairs, it's okay to say this. This is not how they planned it. Not this is all. not how they wanted not it. They all. wanted one of these young right shot defensemen, Cole McWard, to be able to grasp that opportunity and be able to play with Quinn Hughes. They wanted Heronic on the second pair, probably with Ian Cole or Carson Soucy. And then they wanted Tyler Myers on the third pair with I don't Ian Cole or Carson Soucy, yeah. right? And instead they've got Hughes and Hronick together. What are they going to play thirty minutes a night going forward? Probably forty. And then you got Tyler Myers as a top four guy with Ian Cole as a top four guy as well. And then a third pair of guys that I don't think they even expected to be in the lineup. They wanted Hiroshi probably down in the AHL playing minutes at the pro level. And instead, he could be in the opening night lineup and not with like a really experienced NHL player, with Juleson. They, look, when Jim Rutherford said that if everything goes right and, you know, things break almost entirely the Canucks way, they would be a playoff team. In saying that, he acknowledged that if things don't go right or if there's a bit of a wobble along the way, we could be in trouble. I would say that for a team that has that narrow a margin for things to go wrong, not starting the season with Mikheyev and Susie in the lineup is a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. For other teams, maybe not. I remember watching Colorado last year. I'm like, I think every one of their good players is out of the lineup. <laughs> like, McCarr was out, McKinnon was out, Landis Cog was out, and they still won hockey games yeah. because they're a really good team and they're deep. The Canucks aren't that. And they know the way they play. They know the way they play, and the Canucks are still learning how they play. So I think what you're looking at here is, if you want to try and be optimistic, you got to be optimist, optimistic that it's only week-to-week for Susie. Because when I saw it, by the way, the injury happened in the final preseason game, which is just a real kick in the junk. Mm-hmm. Like, of all the times, he made it through the entire 
training camp, entire preseason, made it through five exhibition games without getting hurt. And then in the last meaningless game, he got tangled up with Igor Govich. Fell to the ice in the second period. And I thought at first, I was like, God, I hope that's not like a knee where you've, you you know, twisted, landed funny, and all of a sudden you're talking ligaments, well, right? Did McKayev get hurt last year in the preseason? It was, wasn't it? Like his injury was, it was in also, the preseason. Was it also against Calgary, if I'm not mistaken? But uh, I have to double check on Speaking that. of McKayev, he still isn't ready. And he actually had an interview. Um, he spoke to the media uh, over the weekend, and he said, we just need to be patient. Said he does have his speed back, and he was asked, like, how does that feel? And you can tell the relief. Like, he said, oh, <laughs> it's it's nice to have my speed back, feeling my leg working the way it's supposed to work. So that's good news, but right. the bad news is that, you know, it's still going to be a process, and there are still going to be things that's, that's probably going to, like, if anything, just downright hurt. Like it's going to hurt Mikheyev to play, and he's not going to be ready for Wednesday. Um, so we can go on and on about, you know, whether or not the Canucks should have shut him down last season earlier. And I'm sure, by the way, that um, if this lingers on longer than it should, and maybe Mikheyev doesn't look good in his return to the lineup, I'm sure management is going to have to answer for that. But for now, you just have to deal in the reality of he's not going to be ready for the season opener against the Edmonton Oilers, mm-hmm. and that's not ideal. So let's talk about this guy, Sam Lafferty, that was brought in because maybe that's a related story, right? Maybe that's a related story to the Canucks looking at their lineup and going, well, McKayev's not quite ready, and we can't be sure he's going to be 100% for a while. And you got guys like Pot Colson and Hoaglander who, you know, they did, even Stadnika who started well but just kind of tailed off in the end. Yeah. Dakota Joshua has been, let's say, inconsistent. Fair. Um, and you've got guys down the lineup that they're just like, eh. Like Phil DiGiuseppe has been great, but he's a top six guy on this team, right? He's going to be the captain pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, he's he's trending be, upward. Yeah, I'm looking forward to his Hart Trophy campaign. Like He actually is playing well. So Sam Lafferty, who Rick Talk described as a heavier, grittier guy, a really good skater. Um, that all sounds great, which is weird because he's bounced around the NHL the last few years. He's been in Pittsburgh and Chicago. He was traded to Toronto for a bit of the deadline. Uh, and then the Leafs just had to make a decision on him. Um he eventually just he couldn't make the lineup, and they needed to cut a player. And apparently, they had a few offers for him, and the Canucks ended up giving up uh, another draft pick, 2024 fifth round pick for Lafferty. Uh, so I actually I knew a little bit about Lafferty because he's Pittsburgh through and through. Like everyone was like, "Oh, I used to play for the Penguins, and that's why they went out and got him." He was born in a town called Holidaysburg. Holidaysburg. My dream town. Yeah. So that's Every day is a holiday. Christmas time, right? holidays oh, becomes holiday. Yeah. So he's from Pennsylvania, then grew up to play for the Penguins. So it was a real homecoming story when he made it into the organization. Yes. I also have another Sam Lafferty tidbit. Oh. Uh, just from perusing some of the audio before today's show, uh, he apparently scored the last Leafs preseason goal. Really? <laughs> scored the last one, yeah. See, okay, I, was, I actually kind of went into the vortex that is Leafs Twitter to get their reaction on losing him. And they actually said a lot of the loud echo chamber voices was that they felt that this was not enough in return for a guy that a lot of people kind of liked. They liked the, the style of play. I know Bourne threw out there. He might be a little too jittery with the puck to mm-hmm. be a regular top six guy. Like he might just want to be like, ah, it's on my stick. I got to get rid of it before I do Oh, my bad. God. Yeah. 
plink. Who passed away, me this thing? And then away it goes. It's got right? the yips. Yeah. <laughs> However, um, it did, did sound as though there was a bunch of teams inquiring about getting him. And that's not a huge surprise. Some people didn't like the fifth round pick that we gave away. Well, some people are not going to like continually trading assets to either patch over holes or compensate for bad financial decisions made that you got to correct, yeah. right? And I get it. I get it. And I, I don't really want to constantly relitigate that. I think it's firmly established, firmly established that this management group has no problem mortgaging and hemorrhaging future picks to make either current additions or to solve current problems. Like, mm-hmm. that is a way to get out of issues, and that's a way to solve a lot of problems with this group. Well, Lafferty, Lafferty brings a lot of qualities that we have been talking about on this show. We've talked about how they're not fast enough, sure. and especially with Mikheyev not in the lineup to start, so he's going to bring some speed. That's going to help. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about how they could use a right shot that can win a draw. He's a right shot that can win a draw. That's important. We've talked about how they need to be grittier. He's grittier. It is, it you know, is like, funny, though. He, he ticks is, a lot of boxes. It is funny, though, on a team where we're like, they have a surplus of wingers. Many of them overpaid wingers. I know Lafferty, yes, yeah. they had to go and pay a fifth-round pick to go bring another one. I, he, for personally... You know me. If you've listened to the show long enough, I'm like, I'm here I'm in the present. I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. So if we can get something competent to an opening night NHL roster, even if you have to spend a little bit to get there, get there. If they like what Lafferty brought him, it didn't sound like talking it, actually. I don't think their tenures overlapped in Pittsburgh. I got to mm-hmm. double check. But um, it was he basically said, like, I've heard a lot of good things. But Alvin and Rutherford. Alvin and Rutherford are very familiar with this uh, Let's talk about the Lions because the BC Lions – had a real big opportunity Friday at BC Place, and they blew it. They choked. And that is the only way you can describe it. They had the opportunity. They were making the most of the opportunity early on, and they choked. And it's funny, Moj came on Friday and said the game against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers would be won and lost in the trenches, and we were like, oh, that's, that's a good cliche, Moj. Um, but in this case, he was dead right because the key play of the game, in my opinion, I know there's another one that a lot of you are thinking of, was the inability to convert a third and short late in the game when Dominic Davis came up short on the QB sneak. And in the CFL, third and short with the QB sneak. Pretty much automatic. You should be able to convert those. And the Lions turned the ball over uh, with, what, like two minutes left? And the Bombers were able to kick a field goal to tie the game. Bombers scored 10 points in the final two minutes and 25 seconds. So yeah. when you led with the Lions blew this thing, it, it hurts. It stings. It's not what you want to hear of a game of that magnitude. But they had this game. Well, they had another Plain opportunity even after the Bombers kicked that field goal to tie the game. And I know a lot of people were focusing on this, the one by Dominique Rimes. When he caught the ball and was often racing... He ended up getting a 65-yard reception, and as J.J. Adams wrote in the province, it needed to be either 70 yards and pay dirt or 50 with rhymes going down to preserve the scant seconds on the clock or even pooch kick the ball out of the back of the end zone for a rouge. And Dominic Grimes said after the game, yeah, I probably should have gotten down, but I felt I could get it in the end zone. I thought it'd be an easy touchdown after I made the catch. I got to be better. I got to be better for the team. Put that one on me. I got to be a better player. Be more aware. Yeah, 
You did, but the Lions as a whole needed to be better, especially in that second half. I don't know what happened to the offense. The defense was still making plays. They were turning the ball over in a good way, and the Lions just could not do anything with the ball. They allowed the the Bombers back in the game, and the Bombers won it in overtime. Mm -hmm. And this is what this means. And it is huge for a franchise that is still trying to scrape and claw its way back into the conscious of the market, right? Where people actually care about this team where people actually like think about a big game as opposed to just like, Hey, you want to go to the Lions game? It's on, right? The Lions had an opportunity to host the West final against the Winnipeg blue bombers. I think they probably could have got 40,000 into the stadium for that game. Instead, they will still host a playoff game, but it won't be the one they want. It'll be the same one they hosted last season when the third place team comes in and it's it was I guess it was the Stamps last year. It'll be the Rough Riders this year who are bad. Their fans were wearing paper bags to the stadium over the weekend when they lost to the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and people in Vancouver will be like, "Well, you you should win that." And then you're going to go to Winnipeg, which is the same thing they did last year where they lost. Now, hopefully they can go win in Winnipeg. You know, first of all, take care of Saskatchewan and then go win in Winnipeg and get to the Grey Cup. But it's not the same as hosting. Like the CFL, you want to host the big playoff game because the Grey Cup, you know, they're not hosting it this year. They are hosting it this year, the Lions. But you won't get the big game at BC Place, the experience at BC Place. And I was really disappointed. I would have rather have the Lions gotten bombed by the Bombers than have it in their grasps and just not be able to finish it. That was really frustrating. Yeah, I was there for the taking. Really frustrating. And there was a lot of things that, now credit to the Bombers, you got to do this, right? Credit to the Bombers for making it what they did in the second half because everything Everything was pointed towards the Lions being able to put this thing in cruise control and salt it away in the second half. But as you mentioned, offense went stagnant. Again, give credit to the Bombers for what they did defensively. And then they had the opportunities late, especially with the Rhymes play, to try and salt the thing away for good. And they didn't get it done. On the subject of a home playoff game now, I will sprinkle a bit of optimism on this conversation because the Lions will now, as you mentioned, host a playoff game. So too will the Vancouver Whitecaps. By nature of their draw in Seattle. Now this is important. They have not locked in home pitch advantage for the first round. But by way of that point, they secured their spot in the playoff picture, non-wildcard division, if that makes sense. So they're going to be going right to the opening round of the MLS playoffs. The first round is a best of three where there's no aggregate. Away goals, home goals, none of it matters. Tie matches go right to a shootout to declare the winner. But you get a game. Mm-hmm. So they will be getting a home playoff date at BC Place in that opening round. I love how in MLS, the first round is actually the longest series. It's very weird. <laughs> You look at it and you're like... I think they just want to guarantee everyone that makes the playoffs a home playoff date. Except the wildcard teams. But they also want to guarantee that if you have a higher seed that you've still got that advantage in the first round. I think what they saw last year was too many teams that had this great regular season get upended in that opening round. Well, it was like the Whitecaps, right? right. Like they, they go away. Who did they lose to? Houston or one of the Texas teams? Uh... Is Sporting KC, if I'm oh, not was mistaken, it? Last anyway, year. they went away, and then they were like, "All right, that was a that was a, you know, yeah." Like, and then boom, the playoffs are over. Yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, the Whitecaps with a dour nil nil draw. So I w- watched a lot of sports this weekend. I I consumed a lot of sport this weekend. Uh, I stayed up not late, but the last game that we watched on Saturday night was 
Whitecaps Sounders. Mm-hmm. Nil nil draw. The Whitecaps actually did not put a single solitary shot on net. Yes, Ryan Gold hit the post, but those don't count. That oh, was a Robbo special. He was like, it was Excellent. not. Yeah, and it was against Seattle. Seattle was <laughs> firing on all cylinders. Yohei Takayuki was great for the Caps. Then I woke up early Sunday morning. Well, that's good for him, by the way. Yeah, he's like, actually yeah. Re- he needed a return to form type match. Then I woke up early Sunday morning to watch the other big match, City and Arsenal, and that was goalless for about 87, 88 minutes before Arsenal scored off Nathan Ake's face for a 1-0 victory. So all of that football that I watched mm-hmm. Saturday night and Sunday morning, one solitary goal, and it came on a deflection off a guy's face. <laughs> That's soccer, baby. That's soccer. It's a anyway, beautiful game. Yeah, so there was a lot that happened this weekend. We haven't even got into whatever that was from the Toronto Blue Jays and Ross Atkins. One of the, God, should I just say it? One of the more cowardly press conferences I have ever seen. What if he was just telling the truth, though? There has to be accountability at some level. There has to be accountability. You have to take some level but of just, responsibility oh yeah. of the architect of the team. He went up there, and his entire message was, in the words of Shaggy, it wasn't me. That's a mm-hmm. Shai Davidi special, by the way. Go read his piece at sportsnet.ca. He said it just sounded like an old Shaggy song. Anytime <laughs> he had, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the you the best. Halford and Bruff. Eight oh two on a holiday Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. More shout outs to our listeners: Iron Blair, John in Canby Village, Romeo from Langley. Oh, Romeo from Langley. He said he had to work overtime on the holidays, and us working. Helps his mentality. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. It's not a mindset, Romeo. It's a grind set. <laughs> My God. We're the least grinding show in the world. Didn't you guys come in just for two hours today? We're working on a holiday. That's and pretty, an hour later than usual? Come on. John and Colwood. John and Camby Village. Have I mentioned him already? I think I have. Justin and East Van. Justin and East Van is the guy that does all the great Simpsons Halbro mashup videos, mm. I think. Yeah, yeah. He's got one with the Dolly Wall intro. Oh, my God. It's incredible. The Tito Fuente it's, in there. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it's really good. It's very, very fine. Uh, anyway, shout out to everyone listening on a holiday Monday. We are here, your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650, because there's lots to get into, including a lot of Canucks news. Joining us now for the Canucks side of things, Sportsnet's Dan Murphy here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Murph? What's going on, fellas? No Seahawks, though, unfortunately. Yeah, not a, none at all. But hey, Murph, how worried are you when you watch the 49ers? They look pretty good, but I, I kind of, and I'm not wishing this on anyone, but I, you know, I don't know about the health of, of Purdy and, uh, you know, run CMC. So, um, 
you know, that's kind of my uh, Seahawks fandom is hoping that one of those two guys gets hurt. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's nice. But, man, <laughs> but man they, they, they do look good. They do look good. Like, I was going to complain about the officiating last night early on, but then the way the game went, it didn't make sense anyway. So did um, you uh, did you guys look at the schedule for the Seahawks, by the way? Yeah, it gets a little harder as, it, as the season goes along. Well, but also that, that Niners game on the Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we know about that. crack on the Friday. Yeah. And you know what Saturday is? The Apple down. Cup. Yeah. Washington, Washington State. Yeah, I've actually never been to. I haven't been to the Seattle <clears throat> Arena yet, so I would like to go down, and that seems like a pretty good weekend to go. Murph, just in general, um, as we head into the regular season, the Canucks open their regular season, and we all know it's uh, a very important start for them. And they start mm-hmm. with two games against the Oilers, who are yeah. really um, on a mission this year to win the Cup. Um, how are you feeling about the Canucks? Like, are you optimistic? Are you pessimistic? Or are you somewhere in the mushy middle? A little bit middle. I mean, last year, you know, when we spoke at these times, I was kind of like maybe saying, if we're trying to give a percentage of odds to make the playoffs, I was like the 25 to 30%. I would say I'm up 10 to 15% from that this year. Um, I don't think there's any question that, you know, the systems play is better. Um, I think that Demko will definitely be better. He won't have that, you know, 15-game stretch to start, and then hopefully he won't get hurt. Um, I think the penalty kill is better. Um, you, know, I, you know, I think they play, you know, a style that's more low event and probably better for keeping the puck out of their net. Maybe they won't score as much, but, um, you know, remember we used to say, like, back in 07, you can win ugly, you just can't lose ugly. So as long as they win games and low event games, and I think the fan base at this, ba- at this point would accept it. The problem is that, you know, you just talk about Edmonton. The division is good now. Like, it's, yeah. it was the worst in, in hockey for a while, but now, like, I think Edmonton's going to be guns ablazing to try to prove they're the best in the league. Maybe Vegas in the regular season drops off a bit, but they're going to be there. Um, you know, everything that could go wrong went wrong with Calgary last year, and they just missed. I have the feeling that they're going to be better. L.A. certainly looks pretty good. Seattle may drop off a bit, but they're super competitive. So, you know, they could have, the Canucks could have themselves a, a pretty solid season and, and still miss. So, um, you know, I, I don't think there's any question they're better. I just don't know if they're, uh, you know, that much better to say that they're for sure a playoff team. Um, you know, coin flip, I think, probably. But I, I definitely think they're going to be far more competitive this year. Do you think in a way that boring is going to be the game plan for the Canucks? I think so, because the depth of scoring, well, first off, they couldn't, you know, you can't play defensively like they have the last few years. I mean, I think that's probably one of the big reasons why Demko did get hurt. Um, you know, they, you know, under Boudreau, it was fun and swashbuckling there for a while, but clearly it wasn't sustainable, as we saw at the start of last year. Um, so a way to try to win games is to keep the puck out of the net. And then, you know, you do have game breakers. You do have a power play that should help you win games. So I don't mind that formula because I just don't know, uh, you know, where all the goals would come from if you wanted to play a little more high event. Uh, you know, the bottom six, I, I don't know how many goals they'll produce. I think it's fair to say that Pedersen's going to get them a bunch. Uh, you know, Miller should get you some goals. Kuzmenko, you know, I'm not expecting 39, but he can score. Um, but then as you get down the lines a little bit, like how many can you reasonably expect from uh, Besser or Beauvillier or Garland, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that that's probably the best route to take at this point is to play that style of hockey to try to win games. And and when you can insulate a really good goaltender, um, you know, uh, I think we we saw that, uh, you know, and I'm not going to say they're like the Kings back in the, in the 2000 or 2010, 2011, 2012, but uh, they were a team that uh, counterattacked 
played unreal defensively, didn't give up a lot of shots, and won a lot of games. So uh, they were analytics darlings. So I, I'm not going to say that the Canucks going to be quite like that, but mm-hmm. I think that's the style they have to they have to adapt to. The Sam Lafferty trade. What do you think <clears throat> of it? What does it tell you about what the management thinks of the team? <laughs> Well, I mean, a couple of things here, and I, I know there's a lot of hand-wringing in this market, and, and for good reason, right? This kind of seems like what this uh, this team has done um, is spend draft capital to plug holes down the lineup, and it's not always been this management group, right? It's the ones before. And, but this tells me two things. Um, you know, Stadnika had a pretty good camp, and this tells me they believe that, that Lafferty is a better player than Stadnika, and perhaps considerably better if they're, if they're spending a fifth-round pick to bring him in. Um, it also, you know, without even talking about the player, you know, what have we been talking about since, you know, start of last year? Uh, the most important thing for this team right now is the start of this year. It's not the fifth round pick. Um, you know, if they don't spend the fifth round pick and they get off to a terrible start, um, you know, that's all we're talking about. No, they still could get off to a terrible start. I'm not saying that, but they have to try to put themselves in a position where that's, that's not going to, to happen. Uh, they can't afford it. Uh, another thing being, I think he kind of, you know, for being a, a bottom six guy or a fourth line guy, I think there's some boxes that he checks and he's right shot. Um, he's, he's, he's speedy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, plays a little bit of jam, uh, you know, can, can kill penalties and, you know, he's a right shot guy that can win some face off. So I, I think that when you're, you know, and these are all things that we were talking about in the summer, like yeah. what are some, some positions they have to fill? And so I, I think that the move makes sense on a lot of levels. Uh, but I do understand the frustration of some of the fan base. But I, I, this is not one that bothers me a whole lot. No, I, me I, neither. I kind of like the acquisition. Yep. And if things go pear-shaped, I mean, they've got, what, five or six um, you know, pending UFAs. They can certainly turn Sam Lafferty into something better than a fifth-round pick, I'm, gu- I'm guessing, at the deadline. So I, I'm not overly concerned with it. In fact, when I saw the trade yesterday, and this, listen, I'm no expert in Sam Lafferty. I remember doing an in-game story on him when he was in Pittsburgh and he was the local guy and it was just a great story and he had family and, you know, I'm not going to pretend to know much, but yeah. I will say that when you, you know, I was reading on Twitter yesterday, like everybody else, like, oh, Sam Lafferty, like, what do we know about him? Like, how good is he? There was, you know, the, some of the Toronto fan base that weren't super happy. I know Sarah Valley was saying he thought it was a great pickup for for the Canucks. Um, so, I, you know, I was at first when I saw it, I was like, okay, I, I'm not going to pretend like I know exactly if this is a good deal or not. But the more I looked into it, I thought it was, I thought it was fair. And I, you know, I wouldn't be upset with this management group for that one. Um, fully agree on that, by the way, uh, for what it's worth, probably not much. Um, the Carson Soucy injury, uh, yeah. how does that complicate what was already kind of a complicated <laughs> situation for a Canucks coaching staff that has been really rolling out that defense by committee line? It complicates a great deal. Um, obviously, I mean, you know, up until the last game, you know, I guess we still don't, but we, we you know, didn't know who Quinn Hughes was going to play with. Now they had Hironic with him again yesterday. Maybe that's a pair they start with. I think that it's a one-game sample size, but Cole and Myers looked solid together, so give them another another crack. But now, what do you have on your third pair? Um, you know, heading into the season, I, I kind of into training camp. I kind of thought that Juleson might get a bit of a look with Hughes because they looked okay together at the end of last season in some minutes. Um, you know, maybe Breezeball was going to be penciled in before he got hit, uh, to got hurt to play in the in the, in the bottom pair. But right now, it's Hirose and Juleson, and I don't think that was a pairing that anybody, you know, foresaw them opening the season with. Uh, it still might not be. Maybe they put a claim in on Dylan Coughlin, you know, again, I don't know, right shot guy that Carolina waived. 
it'll be interesting to see if somebody does. Um, so I, I think it complicates it a great deal because, I, you know, I'm like most people, Susie to me is not a top pairing guy, but uh, they, he certainly had to be a, a second pairing guy or a big part of the third pairing, uh, considering uh, he was the one, you know, kind of major signing they, they made that had, gave term and some money. So, and the week to week thing always kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of a scary one. It's not the day to day, it's week to week. So let's see what it looks like in a week. Um, and if, let's say, he does have to go on LTR, that's 10 days, uh, 10 games and 24 days. Well, we're into, you know, uh, we're into November before he comes back, if that turns out to be the case. So I think it complicates it greatly because it looked to me, uh, according to all those sites like Puckpedia and stuff, that the Canucks were trying to get up as close to the cap as possible to use all of Tucker Pullman's LTIR. Mm-hmm. So I don't, you know, now the, you know, the people run their cap have to be pulling their hair out uh, to, to get that news yesterday. Murph, have you been able to gauge the the vibe of of the team? Um, I know, like during COVID, we weren't able to do this, right? Like, yeah. we would ask you, yeah. like, how are they feeling? And like, I don't know, I can't tell through this pane of glass, <laughs> right? Like, it was yeah. it was so different. Um, has that has that changed? I mean, has that changed yeah. for you? Are things kind of back to normal now? And are you able to talk to the guys more regularly and maybe develop a, a relationship with the coaching staff and get to know what everyone's thinking and, and I guess more specifically how everyone's feeling? Yeah, well, I'll say this just to start. The over, it seems a lot more calm. It seems like there's a lot less noise. Now, that's not to say that there's not pressure to start well, and it's not to say that things could amp, amp up considerably if they drop the first two to a very good Edmonton team. But, you know, like the last coaching staff, there was COVID, like with Bruce, and so we didn't travel for, for some of that. And then last season, you know, if you really wanted to, when we're, we're traveling, if you wanted to kind of get to know Bruce, you could have, but they were losing every game. So I'm not going to go start talking to coaching staff every day if this is they're, they're losing all the time. So I never really got a chance to know Bruce that well. Um, so in comes Tockett at the end of last season, and there was zero expectations. He was just going to, you know, they didn't, it was more about process, not results. And so we got a chance to know Rick and uh, Adam Foote a little bit, and to a lesser degree, Sergey Gonchar. Um, so there is that, you know, kind of at least a baseline. Um, I think that we'll see a slightly different Rick talk when the season starts because it means something now and it's going to be a little more intense, but at least there is that a baseline of relationship. And for the players, it does seem like, uh, I don't know, like it, the last year was just kind of crazy. You know, about the last few years have been kind of yeah. crazy. And I will say there is more of a sense of calm, maybe more of a sense of purpose. Um, you know, the, the, the July 1st deadline left JT doesn't have to ask answer questions about or you think you're going to get moved right where I, I never really thought he was going to um so yeah i would say there's considerably less noise and you know also that's by design right they moved out pearson uh, before camp even started so that storyline went away they made the captain uh quinn Hughes captain before camp even started so that was you know enough to have a big you know kind of to do before and during camp or in the preseason so i think that the, they tried to get uh most you know, business things out of the way and just focus on hockey. Now you're dealing with injuries and everything like that, but most teams do. So I think that there has been uh, far, it's been far quieter. Let's say that Murph. Thank you very much for doing this this morning. We really appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving, bud. We'll do this again next week. Happy Thanksgiving, and we will do this in two weeks. Two weeks. Two, weeks. two weeks. Two right. weeks. Right. He's, a, He's right. We'll be on the road. I think. Right. We'll be in Nashville. 
Oh, right. You will be, too. Yeah, the regular season will be so far yeah. underway at so that point. Canucks it, will be sailing to the top of the standings. It'll so it goes Edmonton at home on Wednesday, and then the five-game road trip. Oh, you get some Florida action really early on. Yeah, uh, like, you're uh, kind of wasting that trip. Trouble. Edmonton, Philly, yeah. Tampa Bay, Florida, and Nashville, but the weather's still good here. You're wasting that yeah. trip big time. Well, I wish I really wish like the early season road trip would be more like the Detroit yeah, uh, you know Columbus, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm still not going to complain about getting to go to you know Tampa and then Fort Lauderdale. It's always it's always pretty good. But yeah, you're right. I wish it was more December instead of you know October. Anyway, enjoy it, Murph. Okay, boys. Talk to you later. That's Dan Murphy, Sportsnet's very own here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 6. If you're having a chuckle there. I'm uh, laughing at the schedule because I see uh, they get to go to Buffalo and Columbus in January. Sweet. <laughs> That'll be fun. Sweet. And then Detroit in February. <laughs> uh, speaking of Buffalo, Bruff has a what we learned as it pertains to the Buffalo Sabres who made big news this morning with a big money, big time Long-term extension with Rasmus Dallin. Why don't you tell everybody? Well, you just did. Nope. The Buffalo Sabres made a big-time contract commitment to Rasmus Dallin. Eight years, $88 million extension. And some people might be like, well, how does this affect the Canucks? Because I'm totally self-involved as a Canucks fan. What does it mean for me, the Canucks fan? uh, Well, the Canucks need to sign Elias Pettersson. And Rasmus Dahlin is probably in the neighborhood of what Elias Pettersson is as a player. I know they play different positions, but they're both considered elite young at their positions. They're in Um, the same trajectory in terms of contract, right? That's the type of deal that Pettersson will get. He might even get a little bit more if he has a good season coming up because the cap is going to go up. Um, whether it'll be with the Canucks <laughs> remains to be seen. And whether or not he'll want the full eight-year extension, I think that also remains to be seen. Maybe he's going to have more of an Austin Matthews type of attitude sure. with his contract. Um, but Rasmus Dahlin has gone the max length in the NHL. And if you look at the Sabres team coming into the year, the Sabres have not made the playoffs since 2011. Yeah. When the Canucks were in the stand. Remember that? Think of how long ago that feels. Remember that? That feels like a thousand years ago now. Put it this way. We had a riot and then had a documentary about that riot. (laughs) (laughs) In that time, the the Sabres haven't been to the playoffs. It's remarkable. So if you look at the Sabres team now, they got a lot of these young guys locked up long term. Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, Rasmus Dahlin. They even went long term with like Matias Samuelson. And this is the season where the Sabres, I mean, we've said this so many times, it's kind of lost meaning. Like, they need to take a step. They need to be in the playoffs. And I still don't know if they got the team. Like, of those three teams in the East, Ottawa, Buffalo, and Detroit, I think Ottawa is closer to the playoffs than Buffalo and much closer to the playoffs than Detroit. I would rank it Ottawa, Buffalo, Detroit. Uh, Laddie, as it pertains to this conversation... With Devin Levi and Nett, are they primed to have like the next great young goal in the NHL? Or is this going to be like they're putting a lot of pressure on a guy that doesn't have a full NHL resume? Where are you on Buffalo, Levi, and playoffs? He might be the best goalie to come out of college hockey in at least recent memory. He's okay. the top goalie, affiliate goalie prospect on my list uh, going into this season. Okay. He's fully going to be the guy in Buffalo. Is, will, he, re- is he ready well, to be like say. an NHL will, guy? Will it be this yeah. year? Well, it's... 
you haven't seen so many guys that go right from college into the NHL. Usually for goalies, there's that stepping stone of the AHL first. So they're taking a bit of a gamble. But if there's anyone that can do it, it's Devin Levi. All right, give us a moo cow on that. Rasmus Dahlin gets a big contract ah. extension mm-hmm. uh, in Buffalo. I learned, I learned, as we do what we learned, that the American League East was a fraud division this year. Are they what all it, gone now? No. Well, Baltimore's down, right? They have the AL East. Uh, guess how many pl- uh, playoff wins collectively for the division? Zero. Zero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the Rays, and we didn't pay a lot of attention to the Rays for a variety of reasons, but lo- mostly because the Blue Jays were crumbling in front of our very eyes. At the we kind of laughed at them, and we were glad that they were gone. Right. So they, it was. I feel like it was worse almost because they got skunked out of the playoffs. Like they weren't close against the Rangers. At least the Jays were close against the Twins. You can give them that. Those two tight ball games. <laughs> Tampa Bay just did not show up. They booted the ball all over the field. Mm-hmm. They gave up a ton of runs to the Rangers. The Rangers are running roughshod over the AL East. Because and they, the 16,000 fans at the Trop were upset. Right, and that didn't help, kind of. right? Like, they had no home field advantage to speak of. They worked so hard during the regular season to get that whole field advantage, and then 12 people showed up for the playoffs. You see that stat that was going around, that the 106-loss Royals had more for their last home game? Yeah. The playoff yeah. game in Tampa Bay. Right. So that's a unique situation, but still that's one of the elite teams in the American League East gone after two games. And there was the Jays well-documented gone after two games. Couldn't score any runs against the twins. The Orioles sitting in wait for the Rangers. And now they're on the brink of elimination. Isn't this almost predictable with the Orioles though, that they're kind of this young team that finally made the playoffs. um, You know, after being a horrible ball team for a number of years and it was unexpected that they won the division. Like, nobody thought Baltimore was going to win the sure, division. Sure. And then you get to the playoffs and you're like, this is the year where they learn their lessons. Well, and it's funny now. And Texas, Texas is like hot and cold, but when they're hot, they're hot. Texas is the example of a team that benefited from getting into the wild card because they, they didn't have to sit around and wait, right? They just kept playing ball and they got on a heater and that's carried over to this series. Uh, by the way, Baltimore has now lost seven straight postseason games. So they have that, and the Jays have that in common as well. <laughs> Kudos to the American League East. We all thought it was the best division in baseball, but clearly it was just a big, gigantic fraud. Moo cow. Dogs, we asked prior to going to break uh, for everyone to come up with some what we learned. We didn't ask if you guys actually had any. Do you have any for our listening Oh, God, they're panicking. Time? They're looking at each other. Yeah, um, what we learned is uh, I was right all along, and I'm a genius because yes. Akita Hirose is starting uh, the opening night roster. For <laughs> <laughs> just as I predicted. Just as I predicted. And no, it has nothing to do with a certain injury to another Canucks defenseman. It's because he earned it. Well, so, what, well he did. I mean, in some ways, he did earn it over a guy like Willannon who did well, not yes. play well. So if you have in no the training camp or the preseason. For those in listener land that have no idea what we're on about here, Adog's bold pre preseason prediction. This was before training camp even started. Yes. Is that Akito Hirose was going to be an uh, an opening nighter? A top the, six. It top was less six. a prediction than an argument, right? Like that he should be. Yes, on the that team, is right? true. Is it, that fair? Yes. Was, Based on his play last season, I felt like he was good enough. Well, and also that it, that said a lot about the Canucks' lack of depth on defense. But mm-hmm. uh, based on his play last year, I was like, yeah, he, I think he's good enough to make the team. I really do. Yeah, but so, I think the plan from the organization was to start him in the AHL. Well, yeah, because Taka right? didn't think he would. Have, well, he was, did get, and the, and the fact that he was you know sent down, yes. and then called back up. Um, I think he's. I think the Canucks right now, if Hiroshi's in the lineup, first of all, they're looking at a bottom pair of potentially Hiroshi and Juleson. So we get like two minutes. And, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, you you also wonder too, right? Like I know that this 
coaching staff and frankly most coaching staffs and most most management groups like they're okay with having one small puck mover in the lineup but for the most part they want size on the back end yeah. right and if you bring in Hirose for Susi I don't I like Hirose's game too like I liked what I saw right he seemed Sensible calm and yet talking didn't think he was he big enough though, poised, right? I mean, but like he's skinny yeah, he's skinny, and that was that was the knock. He was like, you didn't put on enough muscle. He needs to be stronger. That's the NHL now, um, and he got a little bit of criticism from Rick Tockett at training camp. So now all of a sudden you're going to go into the season, and if this is the lineup, who are your bruisers out there? Myers, who are Joshua. <laughs> no, no, no. On the back end, no, though, it's Myers. Right? Like, we're it's talking Myers. about. Have you seen some of the and Cole? The blue lines, yeah, but those not—they're not bruisers. You there's just no, asked who they were, but not if no, they were good at. But it. but the answer is none of them. Right, none of them are bruisers on the back end. I think maybe they pick up Coughlin. That would be awesome, by the way, if they did that. Is he a bruiser? I don't know. Well, don't know no, him, right? not necessarily. Like, but I'm just saying he's. Re- I mean, he's an adequate right shot defenseman, and uh, he would definitely slot into their top six right are away. Are we all experts on Dylan Coughlin now? Are we sure like, we got the pronunciation there right? Sure I was just going with him. I, so. I think it's Coughlin. I thought okay. it was Coughlin. Um, Here's the th- we don't Again. even know how to pronounce his name. I'm not going to give a, like a big scouting report. I'm on. I know he's a local kid, and I know he shoots right, and that's enough to make him a candidate. Yes, like an blue line. that's why we're excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a living, breathing member of society. He has a driver's license. He ticks all the boxes we need to be a Canucks defenseman. No, look, I, this is not an ideal start. In yeah, is everything going right yet? It's not. It's not ideal, <laughs> right? You knew there was going to be some wobbles. Well, I, I'm wondering right now. We should be, if we can wager on these sorts of things, what the uh, Hughes-Fronick pairing, what their ice time is going to be. Because I'm looking in the neighborhood. Or if of, they stay together the whole right. game. Or uh, they well, switch around. Like, does Hughes play with, like, five different guys during yeah, the game? Yeah, like, I, can he play 40 minutes a night? They're going to try. I, I'm not even what was being it? facetious. It was Cole like, and Myers in the second pair, right? Was that what it was? Cole and Myers? Yeah. yeah. Like, that's not ideal, guys. Like, yeah. Cole is a good player, but, like, he's a, he's a journeyman guy that – shouldn't be the best defenseman on your second pair. Well, like, I was just going to say, like, both right? pairs he's look a, pretty good, though. That's he, what, but he's a guy I mean, that... the third pair, obviously. He's a guy that should be supporting a better player than him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's the type of role that he should be in. And right now... And that's why it made sense for Cole and Hronik to play together. Well, Cole right? and Myers did look good, though. And, and Hughes and... Uh, in Ron, you want a preseason game? Well, yeah, I know, but I'm just what's what we got to go on. So I'm just um, saying, like in that one moment, yeah. they look good, and uh, Hughes and Hronik obviously but look good. But the, the third dis- pair is the big issue. The, well, I I disagree with you, right? Like I I think the second pair is the biggest issue because they're going to play more. First pair, right an now, issue too. yeah, right. Like like <laughs> I I think the it seemed to me like the Canucks coaching staff got dragged kicking and screaming into finally putting Hughes and Hronik together. They didn't yeah, they want did. to sure. do it. Sure. They wanted that. They wanted those two split up so you yes. can spread the talent around. And then they were like, uh, none of the candidates to play with Quinn Hughes have played well enough for us to do this. So you got to do it. And then you got to hope that Colin Myers, but what's the rule we always talk about. If you can have two pairs that you feel good about, you're going to be fine in the NHL. You can always bury the third pair. The third pair really doesn't matter all that much. Sure. You can just say, like, guys, don't screw it up too badly. And then if you have a good coaching staff, you can keep those guys away from the other team's best players. If you have only one pair that you kind of feel good about, it is a lot tougher. And frankly, I don't feel good about a second pair of Ian Cole and Tyler Myers. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.